The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, Springs Church. Welcome to those of you in the room and those of you online. Welcome once again in the name of Jesus today. Uh, I was just told, I heard this morning, Stafford North apparently has passed away, so we want to just offer our condolences uh, to the OC community, the the Church of Christ community, and offer our love and support to his family, uh, that he might rest in peace in the arms of God. And I also wanted to just take this moment to say congrats to our seniors. Congrats to you all. It is uh, so good to get to celebrate you this morning, and we just love you so much. We're so proud of you and so looking forward to what's ahead of you. Even in this moment of uncertainty and upheaval around us, we are so grateful to to see what's ahead for you and to pass the baton of the faith on to you as you carry Jesus Christ to coming generations and to all the corners of the earth. So we're, we're grateful for you. And Proverbs, I think, is an appropriate place to be on Senior Sunday because Proverbs and the wisdom of God never become more important than when you leave high school and home. And we're not just in Proverbs this morning, but we're actually finishing up the whole book, our journey of this sermon series in Proverbs. And yet I want to say, I hope that this morning is not the end of your journey with Proverbs. I I hope and pray that you will continue throughout your life to ruminate on and meditate on and pray and chew on this book because it is a book to be savored. It is a book to return to again and again. It is a book to journey with throughout your life because every time we come back to Proverbs, we come back with new experiences to challenge our reading of the text. And we come with new experiences to be challenged by our reading of the text. So I hope this morning will not be the end of Proverbs for you, but perhaps the beginning or the continuation of a long journey with this book. So let's close down together in Proverbs 8, verses 1 through 11. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the top of the prominent places along the way, at the intersection of the paths, she has taken her stand. Beside the gates opening into the city, at the entrance of the doorways, she cries out to you, O people, I call out. And my voice calls to all mankind, you who are naive, discern wisdom. And you fools understand discernment. Listen, for I will speak excellent things, and my lips will utter what is right. For my mouth speaks truth, and my lips hate wickedness. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing in them twisted or crooked. All of them are clear to the discerning and upright to those who find knowledge." Receive my instruction rather than silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than rubies, and desirable things cannot be compared to her. Let's pray together. 
Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your person and work and for all that you are to us. We ask for wisdom, open eyes and ears, illumination of this text this morning by the power of your spirit. And God, I ask you once again for the gift of preaching. It's in your powerful name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. In 2005, Steve Jobs delivered the commencement address at Stanford University. Jobs, as most of you know, was the co-founder of Apple Computers. He is the majority shareholder when he was alive of Pixar Animation Studios. And I was particularly interested in this commencement address because apparently it had been largely ghostwritten by one of my favorite screenwriters, Aaron Sorkin. And it's a great little address, it's about 15 minutes long, and I was struck by something at the very end when I read through it a few weeks ago. He closes by talking about a magazine in America called the Whole Earth Catalog from the late 60s and early 70s. And this magazine had a lot of Polaroids and product reviews and tools and essays. And he closes by quoting the last four words on the last issue of that magazine. On the back side, it had this photo of a country road kind of leading off into the horizon. And it said, stay hungry stay foolish. Those are the last four words of the magazine. They're the last four words of Steve Jobs' commencement address. Stay hungry, stay foolish. I've been thinking about those words. I've been thinking about Steve Jobs and the almost unparalleled success and genius of his life. And yet also if my outside impression of his life has any accuracy, he was not always a man characterized by humility, characterized by measured speech, characterized by prudence. And I've been thinking about stay hungry, stay foolish, and and the way that Proverbs would wholeheartedly endorse the first half of that phrase. Proverbs wants us to stay hungry, wants us to desire, wants us to long for, not folly, but wisdom. Verse 11 of our text this morning says that wisdom is better than rubies and desirable things cannot be compared to her. Proverbs calls us not, I think, to the tenacity and unorthodox thinking that can lead to happy shareholders and technological revolutions, but above all else, Proverbs calls us simply to godly wisdom that leads to a life of virtue. Above all else, Proverbs continues to call us not to the folly that entices us, the folly that puts us back in the driver's seat, but calls us to trust in God, childlike trust in his love and ways. And that's the wisdom that calls out to us in chapter 8 this morning, beginning in verse 1. It says, does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice at the top of the prominent places along the way, at the intersection of the paths she has taken her stand? 
Beside the gates opening into the city, at the entrance of the doorways, she cries out. Wisdom is a woman. We've talked about how wisdom is always personified as, as lady wisdom, as female. Just as folly is personified as this kind of seductive woman, Dame Folly. And here, wisdom, lady wisdom, is crying out at the most populated places in the city, at the most prominent venues, the, the most busy intersections. Wisdom is trying to cry out to us above the crowds with her voice. And it's a striking image because the ideal for a woman in public in the Near East especially in the ancient Near East and also some today, the ideal woman in public is reserved, is, is humble, is, is quiet, right? Is kind of sedate and mild. That's the ideal. And so it's, it's all the more striking that, that Lady Wisdom is not content to be sedate and mild in public. Lady Wisdom has set herself up as a public persona. She has gone to the most busy places in, the, in town and she is crying out in public, desperately trying to reach us with her voice. Indeed, verse 1 says that wisdom calls out, does not understanding raise her voice. I had a realization about voices recently that kind of blew my mind, actually. I, I was thinking about the way that you and I and humans today, we have access to an astronomically higher number of voices than any human in history, like physical, aural voices that we can actually hear, we, we have this almost incalculable larger array of voices that we have access to. Because first of all, when, you know, audio recordings have been around for about 150 years only. And before that, the only voices you were ever really going to hear physically were people who lived near you people who maybe traveled through town or possibly if you went somewhere else. That was about it. And travel wasn't what it is today. I mean, travel today is hard for different reasons, like specifically this year. But for you know, most of human history, travel hasn't been as accessible and widespread as it is in modern world. And so there just weren't that many voices around you to hear. And Speaking of that, the world population was not what it was, is not what it is today. I mean, cities were not these sprawling metropolises. In fact, I read a book last year that was set in New York in 1746, three, year, three decades before the revolution. And in 1746, the population of London was 700,000. But in 1746, the population of New York was 7,000. A hundred times less than London, and both of those a, a lot less than they are today. There just weren't that many voices on the earth that long ago. And then, of course, the internet, right? Each of us, or most of us, have access via the internet, via maybe a rectangle in our pocket, to literally hundreds of millions of different human voices, 
The, the click of a button of iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, and we have access to literally hundreds of millions of different voices. And what this whole thought experiment means to me is that the more voices talking in a crowded room, the harder it can be to pick out any single one. That the more voices around you, the more voices in a crowded area, the louder it is, the harder it can be to to really discern any single voice, to even have a one-on-one conversation partner. And so each one of these voices around the world in some ways represents a different way of being in the world. Even if it's just a slight variation from someone else on earth, there are just so many different voices representing a different way of acting, a different bent in life, a different way to walk. And so we live at a time where it is difficult to discern well the voice of Lady Wisdom. Lady Wisdom is, is crying out, above the crowds, but the crowds have gotten a whole lot more crowded. This is a a unique inflection point in human history with so many different important voices around us, but it has become challenging in a unique way to discern the voice of Lady Wisdom. And honestly, it can be difficult just to discern Wisdom's voice, even in Scripture, Even in the book of Proverbs, it can be difficult to discern. The words of wisdom can be clear, but it's hard always to know how to live them out. It's hard to know the the practical wisdom, the way to enact them in the world. And as we've kind of learned over the last few months, Proverbs, for as as grounded and down-to-earth as it can be, can also be as sort of ambivalent and gray as Ecclesiastes at times. For instance, Proverbs 26. Uh, I'm guessing most of you know Proverbs 26.4. I'm sure you've heard it a time or two. It's kind of been rolling around my brain for a couple decades. Proverbs 26.4 says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. That's Proverbs 26.4. Anybody know what comes immediately after in verse 5? Verse 4 is, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Don't answer a fool according to his folly. Wait, answer a fool according to his folly, because otherwise he'll be wise in his own eyes. I, I think we could call these two verses the Facebook paradox, Right, this is, this, when we go on social media, we've had this experience of, you know, I, I don't want to weigh in. I, I don't want to look foolish. And then, you know, the next instance, like, no, I, I got to correct. I, I got to, I can't let them go on thinking this. Right? We've all had that experience. But we need both of these verses. We need them both. Because life is complicated. And wisdom applied is often situation specific. 
right? There have been moments where we definitely should not have weighed in, but we did. Or moments where we should have weighed in, but we didn't. Or positively, moments where we were silent and moments where we spoke at the right time and it worked out well. We need both of these verses because I would guess that most of us either sort of lean towards verse 4 or have a tendency towards verse 5. I would guess most of us are either kind of loud mouths who want to hear themselves talk, who want to answer, right? Or we might kind of be more shy, more reserved, less willing to speak up. And so depending on the wisdom, depending on the person, depending on the place and the moment, Life calls for different responses. It's difficult to discern the voice of wisdom. It's difficult to know how to apply it. But Proverbs has given us not absolute commands, but rules for guidance. If, if Proverbs were giving us absolute commands, we would call it law. But we call it wisdom. Because these are rules for guidance, rules that must be discerned, chewed on. That's why we have to spend our whole lives long. That's why we have to spend time in community with Scripture, with Proverbs. Because the voice of Lady Wisdom is calling out to us. And we need one another. We need the Spirit of Jesus Christ to hear and apply it. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? You know, Proverbs 8 is a fitting place to close down this book. I think because Proverbs 8 has been really important to the church. You might not think that Proverbs in all its bite-sized, pithy practicality would be the site of strenuous theological debate but it has been. In the fourth century, for instance, you may have heard of something called the Arian Controversy. This lasted about 50 years, and this was the church kind of duking it out, trying to figure out what we really confessed, what we really believed about who Jesus Christ was. And Proverbs 8 was this really important site of the conversation because as it begins in verse 1, it's Lady Wisdom speaking, but as you get closer to the middle of the text, to verse 22, it starts to sound not just like Lady Wisdom talking, but perhaps the Lord of Wisdom, Jesus. Verse 22, the Lord formed me from the beginning. Before he created anything else, I was appointed in ages past at the very first, before the earth began. I was born before the oceans were created. I was the architect at his side. I was his constant delight, rejoicing always in his presence. Wisdom was with God in the beginning. Wisdom was creating the architect alongside God. Wisdom was delighting and rejoicing in God. Wisdom was even born. And here Proverbs begins to sound a little bit like John the Evangelist. That God loved the world so much he sent his one and only born begotten son. 
And so what the church discerned by the power of the Spirit was that Jesus Christ was fully human, fully divine, co-equal with the Father and the Spirit, and finally was truly the wisdom of God. Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God. When Ben and I stand up here and, and say something like that, some kind of seemingly abstract theological statement that Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. I worry that sometimes you might hear that and think, well, yeah, but what does that mean for me? What does that mean for me today? What does that mean for me tomorrow? What kind of concrete thing can I take from that? Here's, here's what I think it might mean this morning. I think Jesus is the wisdom of God means that the greatest possible thing you can do with your life is to spend it passionately worshiping, fiercely seeking, and radically embodying God's wisdom in Christ. The greatest possible thing you can do every day of your life is to stay hungry for the kingdom of God, is to seek his kingdom first. It is the wisdom of God, God's very wisdom. The greatest possible thing you can do is to love that wisdom, is to live that wisdom and learn it every single day of your life. Now, you need a vocation, you need work, seniors, you need a job. You need to go and direct that Oscar-winning Pixar movie. You need to manage that restaurant. You need to, to design a revolutionary computer. But the moment that those vocations call you to look away from the wisdom of Jesus Christ, turn and run the other direction. Because there is nothing greater. There is nothing greater than the wisdom of God found in Jesus. And so Proverbs calls us to measured speech. Proverbs calls us to not seek too much honor, but to be humble. Proverbs calls us to judge one another with righteous and just scales. It calls us guard our hearts and everything that flows from them. And we do that by listening to the voice of wisdom in Jesus. Because as verse 35 says, whoever finds me, whoever finds wisdom, whoever finds Jesus, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. If you haven't found the wisdom of God in Christ, I want to invite you to talk to us and I want to invite you to stand and begin seeking him by praising him this morning together, church.